I said to him, you talk about these important things as if you're trying to decide whether to drink a Pepsi or a Coke. What's that about? I just don't show much emotion. Why do I need to? I'm a logical person. My mom gets so caught up in her emotions that she can't react rationally. I sure as hell don't want to be irrational and emotional like her. He continued to come to sessions and bit by bit talked about more of what he felt. Welcome to In Contact with the ACO, hosted by Dr. Chris Burrett. This presentation features the care of a patient by one of the ACO doctors who practices a different kind of psychiatry. There is a new case presented live each month at the ACO campus located in Princeton, New Jersey. Each podcast episode is from the recording of a presentation. These are real patients, but their privacy is protected. If you're interested in attending, you can meet the doctors and join in on the discussion afterwards. You can connect with us and learn more at adifferentkindofpsychiatry.com. In this episode, Dr. Peter Christ discusses the care of a 16-year-old student who struggled to face his feelings and who had difficulty with school and his relationship with his mother. Dr. Christ demonstrates his expertise in getting to the root of a problem. He addresses how Justin's marijuana use bolstered his who-cares attitude that disconnected him from his feelings, which were in fact quite the opposite of what he initially let on. Justin, age 16, a high school sophomore, was brought to me by his mother who thought he was depressed. Given his intelligence, she felt his school performance fell far, far short of his capabilities. Justin's behavior is often just irresponsible. He can be very responsible and then suddenly mess up when things are going well. Several times she said, Justin is shooting himself in the foot. She continued, my son's mood is often quite changeable. He can be very loving towards me one moment and then become nasty and belligerent the next. I'm concerned about the mean, contemptuous way he treats his two younger brothers and me. He's going to grow up having trouble relating to women and male friends. I'm afraid he'll have problems like his father, who is bipolar. Justin may end up needing medications for impulsivity and depression. He was only six years old when I divorced his father. I'm worried he's never faced many of his emotions about it. On my first meeting with Justin, he said, I don't have any emotional problems. Later in the interview, I asked, what about drugs? What do you use? None. How are you doing in school? Not great as far as grades. They just don't reflect my real abilities. He looked a little concerned, but went on to say, why does it matter anyway? My mom's more concerned about it than I am. So how can I help you? I guess I'm basically coming here to please mom. Things are always easier for me if she's not upset. His only apparent concern was his school performance and his mother's reaction to his poor grades. I focused on those problems and waited to see what might emerge. His consistent attitude was, who cares? What's the big deal? Why should I care how I do in school? As we talked about school and his lack of interest, he began to open up and talk about other areas of his life, including relationships with friends, his brothers and mother, and interests outside of school. It became clear that he had the same who cares attitude towards everything except his involvement in sports. I pointed out his tendency to be self-defeating in handling his schoolwork. 
He was disturbed for a few minutes, but returned to us, who cares anyway? He responded to my consistent focus on his indifference with some mild interest and some curiosity, but quickly brushed off what I was saying. As his ses sessions progressed, it became increasingly clear that he expressed little emotion when he talked about significant subjects, such as the implications of doing poorly in school, what he wanted to do with his future, his relationships with girlfriends, and involvement in athletics. I said to him, you talk about these important things as if you're trying to decide whether to drink a Pepsi or a Coke. What's that about? I just don't show much emotion. Why do I need to? I'm a logical person. My mom gets so caught up in her emotions that she can't react rationally. I sure as hell don't want to be irrational and emotional like her. He continued to come to sessions and bit by bit talked about more of what he felt. I don't know what I want to do with my life. The only thing that excites me is sports. Your natural tendency is to learn through using your body rather than your intellect. Yeah, I, I can learn all the details of football plays and even their history, but in the abstract, who cares? That's why I can't connect with schoolwork. Too abstract, who cares? Well, what are some practical things that would help you improve this? Immediate feedback works and allows me to stay with a task for longer periods, but it's hard to use that approach for longer-term goals like college or, or pursuing a career. By keeping our focus on practical aspects of school, Justin made repeated attempts to do better. Only because my mom wants me to, not because I really care. His performance improved for a while but then he returned to blowing off his homework or just not turning it in, even when he completed it. Woven throughout his interactions with me, I sensed a wariness and mistrust. He covered them with a superficial friendliness <coughs> and an everything's cool manner, but his who cares anyway attitude crystallized as the central defense preventing progress in therapy and in his life. It showed up in his attitude towards school, family, sports, therapy, his future, virtually everything. I repeatedly said, there's something missing here. You consistently disconnect from your emotions and have that attitude of indifference. He acknowledged that that was true. We were a little over a year into therapy. During that time, I periodically asked Justin, what drugs are you using? He always answered, I've experimented with marijuana a few times, but could take it or leave it. Around the same time, late in Justin's junior year of high school, his mother told me, I'm terribly concerned about Justin's lack of progress. Therapy isn't proceeding quickly enough in getting to his basic problems. I don't think he's dealing with his underlying issues in therapy. What would you like to, to see me do? I'm concerned he's manifesting many of his father's traits of irresponsibility and just not caring. Sometimes when he's especially upset, he tells me about deep feelings of vulnerability and fear of ending up like his father. He also feels sad at not having his father around growing up and regret for making things difficult for me. I want to be sure he tells you these same things. You're his therapist. I said, he has trouble trusting, so it will take time. He emotionally reveals so much to me that it's hard to understand or even believe he has problems trusting. It's true, he didn't reveal that much to anyone but her. I told her, Justin and I need to work through his mistrust, however frustratingly slow the progress appears to be. 
pushing him to open up faster than he is ready will likely drive him away from therapy entirely. He gets his back up when pushed. I know, I know, I understand, I've seen it so often. When he's pushed, he'll do things his own way, even if it's self-defeating. It became clear that out of her own anxiety, Justin's mother was overly involved and entangled in her son's life. I said, try to back off and let me handle the process of therapy. She looked relieved. Despite my concerns and his outward apparent indifference, I think Justin is really motivated about therapy. In fact, he had begun to come see me on his own rather than relying on her to drive him. Over the next few months, Justin developed more trust in me and became more involved in his sessions. I feel relief just talking about deep, important things. I can't do that with anyone else. I'm fascinated about how the mind, mind works. It's great to be able to talk about it without having to worry I'll be laughed at by my friends or dismissed by my mom because I should be getting homework done instead. We stayed on that topic for a number of sessions. He said, most people just deal with superficial things that don't really matter. I said, I think underneath your who cares anyway attitude, you actually care a lot more than you know what to do with. It's right that you're interested in and care about things that are important. It's also healthy that you feel who cares about the superficialities and inanities of life around you, including what, much of what is taught in school. Justin's eyes lit up. Yeah, a lot of it is ridiculous. I nodded. The problem is that you often throw the baby out with the bathwater and use your attitude of indifference to avoid facing your feelings of anxiety, disappointment, or frustration. He gave me a serious look. I'd clearly struck a chord in him. I felt we'd made deeper contact. I continued to address his lack of emotional expression, lack of feeling, and the who cares attitude. These interventions succeeded for a short while, but then he lost interest and backslid. I continued to have suspicions that Just, Justin was using drugs. Each time I asked about it, he acknowledged past experimentation but denied any use in recent months. In the fall of his senior year, Justin had a knee injury and could not play football. He said, I never really wanted to play that much anyway. Sports had always been the one thing that consistently interested him. I said, I think your show of indifference is one more example of trying to rationalize the way your feelings. You say you don't care, but actually sound frustrated and disappointed when you talk about not being able to play. He said nothing, but nodded. His frustrations about, not being athletic, uh, about having to be athletically inactive were close to the surface. This was an especially fruitful time to focus on his apparent indifference. After a few sessions, he gave up acting like he didn't care and became actively and intensively involved in his post-operative rehabilitation. I'm going to prove I can recover faster than the, than the doctors predicted. By constantly pointing out his indifference, his lack of emotions, and his cool facade, I was addressing Justin's defense of emotional contactlessness. As he became more aware of these attitudes, it became harder for him to use them reflexively, and he felt increasingly bothered that he didn't care about anything. But his reactions came and went without apparent pattern or logical reason. At times, Justin seemed bothered by his lack of emotionality, while at other times he appeared unconcerned. I don't need feelings because I can handle everything with logic and reason. 
Underlying feelings of sadness and anxiety surfaced during the sessions in which he was bothered by his indifference, an indication that he actually cared a great deal. About a year and a half and 28 sessions into therapy, Justin left drug paraphernalia at home where his mother found it. He had several friends over to the house who she had been told by reliable friends of Justin's that were known to use, they were known to use drugs. His actions made it clear to her that he was using. She confronted him. He admitted to marijuana and other drug use, but said it was mostly in the past. She called and informed me of what she had learned. At his next session, Justin said, my mom told me she talked to you about what she found. Yes, but I'd like to hear it from you. He looked uneasy but said, I've used marijuana for many years. I've also experimented with all kinds of drugs, uppers, downers, ecstasy, and mushrooms. He looked down. I've also gotten drunk a number of times just for kicks. I nodded to encourage him to say more. He he hesitated but said, in recent months, I've only smoked marijuana. I don't really need it or use it much, only socially and recreationally. On detailed questioning, he admitted to an increase in marijuana use in the previous few months, typically several times a week, and he did not see this as very much. I told him, a major problem with marijuana is that it puts the user out of touch with the very things he or she needs to feel in order to know that the drug is a problem. He seemed to take that in and continued, the issue isn't <clears throat> he seemed to take that in, and, and I continued. The issue isn't how much you use, but the reason you use it. He listened and nodded. Just try to be aware of what you're feeling before you use it, and then pay attention to the effect it has on you. At the next session, he reported, I smoked marijuana only once since we last met. There wasn't any particular reason I used it except to be part of the group. Remember a while ago we talked about how I often can't understand what someone else has experienced, or I can't convey them to them my own experiences? I nodded. He continued, but when you're with someone else who's stoned, you know they understand your experience, and you understand theirs. At that point, we're, make, we're having the same experience. I guess that makes sense. The effect of a drug is pretty much a physiological thing that will be the same with everyone and not so uncertain as other experiences in life. When I'm using it, I feel like I can connect with people without confusion. I like marijuana because I feel mellow and relaxed. When I'm under its inf influence, problems just don't seem to be such a big deal. The effect of marijuana reinforces, reinforces your own who cares attitude. The fluctuations in his ability to make contact and whether his indifference disturbed him which had apparently had no reason or pattern, now made sense. They were determined by his drug use. Justin insisted, I'm not hooked, though. I smiled, I think you're more hooked than you think. He shot me a look. I can take it or leave it. If that's the case, then show me you can stay off it for at least 24 hours before each session. I thought I might connect to Justin's competitive nature and love of a challenge. Peer pressure is a factor in the initiation and continuation of adolescent drug use frequently takes the form of direct pressure from friends to take the drug. With Justin, however, it manifested much more subtly. He maintained an attitude of independence and adamantly denied that what others wanted him to do was a factor in his decision to use drugs. He had a strong desire for social contact but was quite shy and sensitive. 
The pressure to do what the rest of the group was doing came from within Justin, out of his desire to belong to a group. This is an example of what we call substitute contact, an attempt to make contact in the absence of genuine contact. It fends off awareness of the contactlessness and underlying anxieties and fears that come from the intensity of genuine contact. An hour before his next session, his mother left a message saying that Justin had not come directly home after school as expected, but instead had been with some of his drug-using friends. When he did come home, she, she said he looked high. She wanted me to know that she strongly suspected that he would come to his session under the influence. At his session, he looked out of it with bloodshot eyes and lacking emotional sparkle. I was quite certain he was acutely intoxicated with marijuana. When was your last use? Two days ago. You seem especially disconnected and out of it today, all the signs of being high on pot. I'm not high, just out of it from not enough sleep. Your eyes are red. That's also from lack of sleep. On detailed questioning about his sleep, he said, I've been having anxious thoughts that keep me awake at night. I did use pot earlier in the week to relax and fall asleep. This was as far as he went in acknowledging his recent marijuana use. It did, however, provide the first undeniable evidence that he was using the drug to handle emotions. That gave me a small chink in his armor of denial about the reasons for his using the drug. In the next session, Justin immediately started before I'd said anything. I, I have to set something straight. I lied to you last week. It's been bothering me. I'm an honest person, and I don't like that I lied. I came to the last session stoned. I was embarrassed to tell you I hadn't been able to keep, keep my agreement. Clearly, he had also lied to my direct questions about drug use many times in the past, but I saw nothing to be gained by pointing this out. The fact that he was now uncomfortable with lying was the important thing. I took it as a sign that he was making better contact with himself and feeling more. Justin's general contactlessness was the basis for his previous lack of concern about not being truthful. My impression was that his denial was so effective that he was quite unaware of lying and that he truly was not in contact enough to feel that he had lied. This was one of the many small turning points in his being able to get straight in every sense of that expression. After admitting he had lied, he reported, I haven't used any drugs or alcohol for three days. I feel fine without it. I don't even really like the feeling of being on it. I don't really need it. I said in a light, easy tone, that's easy to say, but I was born in Missouri. You'll have to show me by not using for me to believe it. But you do look clear and seem more present having been off marijuana for just a few days. He hesitated. You might have been right that I use pot to avoid feelings. I'm more and more aware that I have a lot of anxiety in many situations. It really troubles me because I can't explain the anxieties. They must be irrational. That's why I have to dismiss them. You need to tolerate your feelings and find more constructive ways to handle anxiety. If you can, you'll also be able to feel more pleasurable excitement. Aware of his desire to be in control, I further reinforced my challenge. I think your marijuana use has control of you rather than you being in control of it. I don't like that I couldn't keep my commitment. I'm angry with myself about it. I hate to admit it, but I might be more hooked than I thought. It's really upsetting. I don't want to be that out of control. 
Again, I challenged him. Prove to me that you can stay off pot until I see you next week. He gave a little smile. Okay, I will. At the next session, he looked livelier. I've stayed clean for the whole week. I feel better and more alive. The other day, I realized I can think more clearly. I've especially been able to do math better. Over the next several weeks, he admitted to using marijuana several times at parties, but had twice abstained for as long as a week. I still feel better off the drug. I know more clearly than ever I have a problem with it. But my mom is driving me crazy. I feel like it's worse for me now that I've been more honest with her about my drug use. She's watching me like a hawk and on me about everything. I had more freedom before. I'm almost sorry I let her know. She's aggravating me so much I've used pot just to calm down and not feel so upset with her. I don't want to be upset with her. It's as if you're being punished for being honest and coming clean. Justin nodded and looked sad. I said, your frustration is understandable. Your mother's reaction is a real problem that needs to be solved in a constructive way. But first, what do you think about your impulse to use pot to deal with your aggravation? I don't have any doubt anymore that I use it to change my feelings. I think there's also some I'll show you in there. But I don't know what else to do when she aggravates me. Of course you don't want to be upset with your mother. The important thing is finding a way to really resolve those feelings without continuing to block them out with a drug. Well, that's basically it, because I've never known how to deal with her when I'm upset with her. If I tell her she just gets hurt, defensive, or some other emotional reaction that doesn't get us anywhere. The only thing I've always done is just appear to go along and cover up my aggravation. When I was little, I could do that somehow. Once I got older and was actually more independent, the only thing I knew how to do was get stoned. I really don't know what else to do until I'm away from home. We could try meeting with the three of us together to try to improve communication between the two of you. Just the thought of it makes me so on edge that I don't think I could stay rational. Remember the last time you met with the two of us? My mom got so hurt by something I said that she became emotional and defensive and didn't listen to me. I got so upset that I walked out and didn't come back to therapy for three months. I don't want that to happen again. I think it would be better for me to meet regularly with her alone to help her get a clearer perspective on how to interact with you. I agree. He looked relieved. What, what concerns do you have about me meeting with her? I wanted to be sure to address and minimize his mistrust. He said, I'm okay with it as long as you don't tell her details about what I tell you. Just tell her general stuff about how to deal with me better. I think it's a good idea. I sure as hell don't know how to deal with her or how to make things better. I called Justin's mother and re recommended that we meet regularly to help her handle her own anxiety about how she was doing and to deal with her frustrations about Justin with me rather than acting them out with him. She sounded relieved and welcomed the opportunity to express her concerns and get some help with him. In my first meeting with Justin's mother, she said, I'm concerned that he's more edgy and irritable than usual. As he reduces his drug intake, the emotions that he was blocking will come to the surface more. I wonder if he should be in an inpatient drug treatment program. Inpatient treatment is an option, but its effectiveness depends a great deal on Justin's reaction to the approach. I understand your anxiety, but it's important not to push him. Otherwise, it will backfire and set Justin against any treatment. He's already working hard in therapy to face life emotionally. I'm sure his desire to become clean is genuine. 
Later that week, I had an emergency call from Justin's mother. I'm frightened by his behavior. We had a confrontation, and he went into a rage, smashed his computer, and knocked holes in the walls of his room. At this very moment, he's throwing things out the window. I wonder if he needs hospitalization. Is this a drug withdrawal effect? I think there might be some element of a physiological drug withdrawal, but more likely it's emotional drug withdrawal. He's showing different reactions to anxiety and other emotions that he's previously blocked or dulled by drugs. The other thing is that this could be the, the effect of drug intoxication. Drug screening would be the only way to be sure. She said, in, in his state, in the state he's in, I don't think he'd cooperate voluntarily. When I tried to interact with him, he became more agitated. I think it's best to keep my distance until he calms down. I said, I agree. She called later. Justin calmed down. I asked to talk to him, and we spoke at length. He said, I don't think I lost control. I knew what I was doing and was making conscious decisions the whole time. I just felt furious about the, the combination of incidents involving my mom and my brother that set me off. I said, it's important for us to look into what happened with you. I'm fine at this point and don't want to go anywhere. I just need to be left alone. I'll see you for a session tomorrow. He said, okay. The following day, he looked clearer, more rational, more emotionally accessible, and in a, positive, in a more positive mood than I'd ever seen him. I feel really good. I know I was destructive, but I'll accept responsibility for repairing and paying for the damage I caused. It was worth it just to get this feeling of relief. I gave him an ironic look. There might be a less expensive way to get that relief, by getting more of those feelings out in your sessions. We can try to find more appropriate outlets for them. Justin gave me a genuine smile. I agree. Part of my enjoyment of football and soccer is being able to discharge some of my anger in an acceptable way. By this point at session 38, he said, I have no doubt I keep down many emotions by using drugs. Since stopping, I feel more alive than I've ever felt before. I definitely want to stay clean. I'm sure I don't need a drug treatment program. I feel relief from the sessions and can deal with my problems with therapy. By this time, Justin was back in spring soccer practice. I feel excited about the season for the first time. I also feel glimmers of excitement about the future. I've even been thinking about going to college. I don't want to give up that possibility. I want to try to finish high school on time. Justin's mother reported that he had gone to a soccer coach and told him, uh, he had been using and, and was working on becoming clean. The coach advised him that if he went to the school administration and volunteered for drug treatment, there would be no negative repercussions, as would happen if he were caught or reported by someone else. Justin's mother said, the coach told Justin how proud he was of him for the open, direct way he was handling the problem. Justin agreed to participate in an outpatient drug treatment program, both because the school requested it and his mother insisted on it. The program consisted of counseling sessions with urine drug screens. He said, I don't need a drug test to know I'm clean, so it seems like a waste of time. But I realize testing will show objective results will give me credibility with mom. That will make her less anxious and trust me more. Justin's mother continued to be concerned that his therapy might not address many problems quickly enough. She now focused on the possibility that he might sabotage his graduation from high school and admission to college. I pointed out her anxiety and urgency. It's best to have Ju Justin address his problems at a pace that he can handle. 
Maybe he's not ready to finish high school and go away to college. She looked anxious, and I said, let's take things in order of priority. First, for him to be clean of drugs. Second, for him to come enough in contact with his feelings to become motivated. Then see where that motiva motivation leads him. This perspective helped her, her ease her demands on justice, Justin and allowed him to work through his problems. Justin said, I've started to realize I've not dealt with many of the feelings that are a normal part of adolescence. I'm behind schedule in my development as a person. He began to talk with me for the first time about a number of things. I have anxieties about how to relate with girls. I'm also struggling with what I want to do with my life. I don't know whether I should go to college. Over a period of weeks, Justin became increasingly interested in many more aspects of his life. He was more excited about playing soccer, engaged in the sport as a true member of the team, and received a commendation at the awards banquet for the most improved player. Justin also said, I found a girlfriend who is my match, someone who respects me but can also challenge me. For the first time in my life, I felt love for someone outside my family. He decided he definitely wanted to finish high school and go on to college. He applied and was accepted to a good college and made the decision to become involved in the athletic program there in the fall. Justin continued to struggle to keep up with his schoolwork. This was compounded by a flare-up of his who cares attitude after his acceptance to college. There was also the emergence of a more active, spiteful, self-defeating, nobody's going to tell me what to do attitude. It had lurked under and now largely replaced the once per pervasive who cares. The spiteful reaction nearly prevented him from passing two courses needed for graduation. When I pointed this out, he completed his work in a final rush and graduated with his class. Although proud of graduating, he also found it hard to enjoy the success and downplayed it, its significance. Following graduation, he came for therapy two more times. I'm doing well. Can we schedule sessions only when I feel like I need them? I think a routine schedule is a waste of time and my mom's money. It's also just going to be hard to fit them in. I've decided to play soccer in two summer leagues and get a job. At the next session, he told me he'd followed through on all of, all of those plans. Justin felt much more alive and was aware of how much marijuana had made him emotionally dull and indifferent. He committed to staying drug-free and succeeded except for one lapse when he smoked pot at a party. This lapse helped him realize how, despite his insistence that he could handle life without marijuana, he could easily again become involved with it. That awareness further strengthened his resolve to stay clean. His mother kept me informed about his progress and told me Justin loved college and was doing well academically, getting A's and B's. He did not make the varsity footballers soccer team as a freshman, which was a great disappointment to him, but he handled this well and was actively pursuing intramural sports. If only the emotional effects of marijuana were discussed as it becomes more and more commonplace for children and adults alike, as we get lost in the morality of drug use or confusing information from opposing sides. Do you use marijuana? Do you know anyone who does? What do you think of Justin's case? How do you feel after hearing about his treatment with Dr. Christ? If you enjoyed listening, you may be interested in coming to one of our live events. 
Learn more at adifferentkindofpsychiatry.com. We are interested in your comments and questions. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. Check out our next episode, which features Dr. Alberto Foglia discussing two cases of panic attack, where using this unique therapy, he was able to resolve the patient's panic, provide immense relief, and considerably lower the patient's blood pressure so that antihypertensives were no longer necessary. He does exceptional work. Every time I suggested that he do something, like breathe, roll his eyes, or kick, he became politely oppositional and refused to follow my directions. I, he felt I was authoritarian and critical of him. This led him to discharge large amounts of sobbing related to his feeling of not being understood. Since 1968, the psychiatrists affiliated with the American College of Ergonomy have been helping patients discover greater satisfaction, health, and overall well-being in their lives. Whether patients suffer with mental illness, struggle with addiction, or feel unsatisfied with their work lives or relationships, medical orgone therapy as practiced by the physicians at the ACO offers a way forward, often without the use of medication. This is Dr. Chris Burrett. Thank you for listening to In Contact with the ACO.